Welcome to AFM Storytime, where every two weeks you get to hear a story by a different author. These authors have submitted a story to one of Arena Fantasy Magazine's writing competitions. As the name suggests, these are primarily fantasy stories. Think of knights in epic battles, and think about magical creatures, good or bad. AFM are open all year for submissions, so why not get your story in? This week's story is The Forest of Secrets by Rebecca Cooper. This sound signifies a change of scene. Uh, I feel this is a good way to just break the story up a little bit. As always, there are trigger warnings uh, for death and injury. So this uh, story might not be suitable for anyone under the age of 18. So listener discretion is advised. Hello writers! Are you a writer and are you tired of looking at an empty page? Do you suffer from writer's block where you are itching to write but cannot? Do not worry dear writer, just head to arenafantasymagazine.net where you will find a selection of writing competitions to smash that writer's block wall down. The link is arenafantasymagazine.net forward slash competitions. Head there now your inner muse will thank you for it. I wasn't expecting my life to change. My upbringing revolved around being a member of a royalty, a pawn in the eternal game of love and war. King Ardlan was my father, and that determined pretty much every ornament of my future thereafter, from the day I was born. I sighed and shut the leather-bound book on my lap with a gentle thud. I spent most of my time here in the West Wing Library. It was closest to my mother's garden, where she spent her days humming to herself and pruning her flowers. It was also the site of her gravestone. Through the tall windows I could see the red petunias tipping their heads on the floor in preparation for the coming winter. The sleepy sun cast a soft glow upon the whole room, warmed my fingers as I laid my head back and let my hands dance around the slanted rays. This was all I wanted. A loud crack from the fireplace pulled me back to the library and I glanced at the pile of books by my feet. I had been reading through my mother's medicine books for most of the afternoon and had found nothing that I was looking for. I heaved myself from the comfort of the cushions and wandered over to the bookcases. They spanned the entire room, standing floor to ceiling in every direction. I ran my fingers along the woven covers as I walked the length of the wall. My fingers stopped on an unfamiliar spine. It was a small volume, just large enough to conveniently carry in one hand. I pulled it from the shelf and let my fingers slide over the lapis-dyed leather. It was delicately engraved with a gold trim, and I opened the first page to find my mother's name written neatly in the middle. My heart fluttered. How have I never seen this before? I frantically searched the pages to make sure that what I found was really what I thought it was. Almost every page was soaked with ink-drawn illustrations, annotations, notes and drawings. I could cry. This was my mother's healer's journal, the one that never left her side. How had it ended up here? My eyes scanned the pages, trying to absorb it all. I paused on a recent page. 
it contained a drawing of a small flower with a small inscription, rare to ease fever. I went to turn the page but noticed a scribble line near the bottom. It revealed a location. The notation was vague but I recognised that it was nearby. It was on the east side of the village, furthest away from the main bustle of life and somewhere only hunters really went. I jumped at a sharp knock on the door and swept a book behind my back as a servant stepped into bow. Your father requests your attendance, my lady. I bowed as sweetly with one hand as I could and nodded my thanks. I waited for a creak as the door closed before shoving the book under my dress. There was a reason she took the time to write about it and I wanted to know what that reason was. I planned to leave that morning. It was a preparation day and I was not particularly enthralled with the idea of ball planning. I packed a small satchel and covered myself with a woolen cloak, slipping on a pair of beaten boots. My father forbid my exit of the castle due to the current civil unrest in the neighbouring kingdom of Karish. His fear that I would become collateral damage prevented me from having any time outside the walls. Contrary to my father's belief, however, I regularly left these stone walls and have always returned unharmed. Why would this time be any different? I swung the brown sack onto my shoulder and lifted my hood. A large tapestry hung from the iron hooks on my wall. Its gold thread glittered in the sun. Gently, I lifted the corner, slipped into the alcove behind it and down the stone hallway that led to the stream outside the castle walls. I adjusted my hood and headed for the outside of town. I stepped into the trees and lowered my hood. It was beautiful. Sunlight streamed through the frosted foliage above, scattered through the forest by the morning mist. I took a deep breath and let the icy air fill my lungs. I have never ventured this far out of town, and I began to wonder why I never did. I could see the most common plant life. Clusters of bonesets scattered the ground. Fever few flowers, some dandelions. I headed for the middle of the forest, collecting a few herbs as I went. The trees broke into a small clearing, glowing with frosted sunlight as I stepped forward to examine my surroundings. I had been walking for some time and I wasn't quite sure where I was. I pulled a journal from my satchel and scanned its pages. A purple flower with a gold-rimmed centre. My heart sunk. I hadn't seen anything like that here. Was I in the wrong place? Something rustled in the bushes behind me. Panic flooded my veins and my hand shot to the dagger in my belt. I turned slowly, watching, listening. One of the bushes trembled again and with held breath I stared at the space between the trees. The noises came closer and I slipped the dagger from his sheath. It came closer and I stared my legs. Closer, I took a deep breath. Suddenly something small and grey burst out from the bushes and fled past me. A little laugh escaped me and I almost fainted with relief. It was just a rabbit. I returned my dog to my belt and adjusted my cloak. As I went to turn, something big, dark and angry exploded from the trees. I didn't have time to do anything but scream before a wild dog was on top of me. 
I thrashed frantically and desperately fought to keep its snarling teeth away from my neck. Its breath stunk of iron and blood. I struggled to twist my arm to keep it from crushing me while I was reaching for the dagger by my side. The thing snarled in my face and sent a shot of fear down my spine. Rising and angry, it swiped at my arm. I let out a pain cry and ignored the blood that began to run. Finally, clasping the hilt of my dagger, I shoved the blade into the mass of fur and bone and tried not to hurl as hot blood poured down my arm. The beast thrashed widely for a few seconds before its movement slowed and it slumped onto my chest. With a grunt, I hurled it off me and rolled over. Coughing from the effort and stench, Oh heavens, no, no, my father is going to kill me. I shut my eyes. Sob. I heard a wounded growl echo through the trees, and I rolled to see the wild dog limping toward me at great speed. I couldn't react this time. I'm going to die. I closed my eyes as it leaped at me, but not before I heard a sharp whistle above my head, followed by a heavy thump on the ground. I opened them to see the creature lying next to me, an arrow protruding from its side. Are you okay? A voice called out from somewhere in the trees. I scrambled to my feet. A tall boy stood a few metres away, looking at me with concern, a bow in his hand in a relaxed position. He was silhouetted slightly by the light, but I could make out his strong features and ruffled brown hair. Moose? He stepped forward hesitantly, and I stepped back. An ugly scar ran down his left cheek. He put up his hands in peace, and I realised I was still clutching the bloody dagger in my hand. Who are you? I asked. My voice came out much braver than I felt. My, my name is Eric. I heard, um, I heard a scream, and I thought it mighty strange. So I thought, well, I thought I'd come looking. I didn't respond. I was beginning to feel weak and my legs wanted to give way. My arm was burning and I felt too hot. Miss, you're injured. He took a few steps toward me and I held out my dagger. He stopped, but something in his eyes made me regret it. He was genuinely worried, or was he just a good liar? I'm fine, I snapped, but I didn't feel it. My chest felt heavy and breathing became difficult as I thought the urge to sit down. The world dimmed and strong arms slid under me as I fell, just before the world went blank. A faint bird song prodded my senses and I found my consciousness again. Slowly I forced my eyes to open. A low wood ceiling greeted me and I could see a faint sunlight filling the room. Every joint groaned in protest as I pushed myself up. I was in a small, cramped room with a rug in the middle and a small chair in a far corner. In a wooden chair sat the boy from the forest. Eurek, he was fast asleep. I seemed to be lying on a pile of blankets on the floor, and I removed the one on top of me to find my arm had been bandaged and the blood mostly washed from my skin. I heard Eurek rouse and I quickly lay down to feign sleep. Again, I felt his footsteps walk toward me and I raised myself to fight. Miss! He whispered. Miss, I need to change your bandage or that word will get infected. A pause. Please don't hit me again. I swallowed a laugh. I must have done that as I fainted. 
His hand found my arm and lifted it gently. I opened my eyes to see him dip a cloth into the water and ease the bandage off. His eyes met mine, and he hesitated again. "'It's okay,' I said, but the words scratched my throat, and I sat up to cough. Carefully he touched the cloth to my arm, and I hissed at the burning sensation. I watched him with interest, waiting for my vocal cords to work again. "'Is that bone set?' I eventually asked. He looked curiously at me and nodded. Yes, it's best for cuts like these, anything with an open wound, I replied. I saw him smile and continue cleaning the cut. You know your herbs. My mother taught me, he smiled again. It was a soft smile, one that complimented his features. My voice wavered. Should I tell him who I am? What danger would that put me in? But he helped me. My name is Amélie. He paused to look at me, seeming to study me for a moment. I was suddenly conscious of the tangled curls perched around my head. That's a pretty name. Like the flower. His tone was warm, and now that I wasn't fighting for my life, I took the time to take him in. He couldn't be much older than me, but his hands were definitely workers' hands. Chocolate hair hung over his forehead that matched the bronze in his eyes. A sudden sharp pain coursed through my shoulder, and a soft cry escaped my lips. Ulrich instantly moved to assist, supporting my elbow and moving to see my shoulder. I lifted up my hair and I saw him flinch. He was staring at something intensely and his face ran pale. That bad? I laughed, trying to disguise the pain and the panic. When he didn't respond, my fear began to rise. Then it dawned on me. He wasn't looking at my shoulder, he was looking at my collarbone where the necklace hung from my neck. A white primrose, the royal symbol. Uruk bolted, fleeing the room so quickly it's like he was never there. Before I had time to rise, he rushed back in with my cloak and asked me to get up. Forgive me, princess. I, I had no idea. He was fastening my cloak around me and almost shoved me towards the doors. What? I? Please, princess, you cannot be seen here. Eurek, please, please, just wait. He stopped, looked at me like a frightened animal caught in the lamplight. Please, I continued. I'm not here to hurt you. Why are you so scared of me? I could see him assess me with a careful eye, and for a second I thought it likely that he would throw me out anyway. You're not safe here. You must return to the castle immediately. There was something in his tone that I couldn't quite place, like he knew something I didn't. When I didn't move, he stepped forward and took my hands. Please, he whispered. They were warm and softer than I expected. I reached for my cloak and removed the gold pin from the breast. It was delicately crafted, a raven symbol that would fetch a good price at market. I took his hand and placed the pin in his palm. For your trouble, I said. He gaped at the pin in his hand. Princess, I can't. Call me Amelie. I turned before he could protest any further and reached for the brass handle. It's my way of saying thank you, I said, and closed the doors behind me. It was nearly dusk when I returned to the castle. I grabbed my skirts and hurried up the stone stairs, 
praying my father was too busy to notice my absence. Slipping through the small door, I pulled the tapestry aside and stepped quietly into my room. It was the same as I'd left it, apart from the bedding had been cleaned and the sheets tucked again. A knock on my main door startled me and I flung the cloak off behind the bed. I was covered in blood from earlier. Frantically, I stripped down to my chamois and trousers just before a short servant stepped through. She bowed. Your dress is ready, princess. She spent a second too long looking at my feet before stepping out again. My boots, damn it! I flung them off my feet and slipped a clean dress and slippers on, quickly adjusting my hair to look less frazzled. I flattened my skirt and opened the door. The servant waited for me, bowed again, and led me down the hallway to a room at the end. The door swung open to reveal a circular room with tall arch windows directly ahead. Candelabrums lit up the walls and a dress sat on a pedestal to the right. While you take all that in, let's have a quick break and then we'll find out what happens next. Hello dear writer. Ask yourself, are you struggling to write your first novel? Yes? The Novel Factory helps guide new writers through the novel writing process while completing your first manuscript. It also contains heaps of useful templates, resources and intuitive interactive features to help novelists of all levels and experiences save time and get a better grip on both the big picture and the tiny details. Some of its features include dedicated section for characters, location and items, a plot manager to help you develop your plot, detailed character development prompts, plot templates for popular genres, tools to keep track of individual plot points, and all your notes on hand uh, as you write, plus much, much more. The best part about the Novel Factory is that it won't break the bank. You can start using the novel writing tools from just £6.20 a month. That is less than 25p a day. Plus, you have 30 day free trial to try it out. Use my link bit.ly forward slash arena fantasy magazine to get your free 30 day trial. You'll thank me for it. And now, let's get back to the story. I suppressed a gasp, but I couldn't resist walking over to it. Crafted from purple satin, the material fell in bunches from the waist and swirled around the torso. I reached out to touch the skirt and felt the smooth material glide over my fingers. A pang of guilt closed around my heart. My mind was torn back to Eurek's small home, simple and nothing close to the extravagance that lay in front of me. How could I live in this castle, so far removed from the lives of people over which my family rules? Why did I deserve to have everything? I heard the doors open again behind me and my father's voice bellowed into the room. Do you like it, my darling? I thought it appropriate for your birthday next week. I swirled to see him beaming at me with his big grin. My father was a large man with a warm face and a beard that completely covered its chin. I grinned back at him and bowed. Thank you, father. I love it. So, shall we have dinner together tonight? I haven't had the time in a while. My heart glowed at the thought. I would love that. A guard walked up to my father and bowed to signal his attention. His posture was precise, but I could feel the tension in his movements. 
something was wrong. I observed the interaction carefully and saw my father's face fall to look of seriousness. He nodded to the guard, and I saw it come in before he said it. I'm sorry, my dear. I must deal with this another night. A bow in response was all I could master as I swallowed the lump in my throat. I waited for him to follow the guard before returning to my chambers. As I walked along the hall, there was a distant shouting and the sound of heavy footsteps echoing through the walls. A group of armoured guards rounded the corner, and I stole quickly behind my door, leaving it slightly ajar. My father had often needed at short notice, but I couldn't shake the feeling that this time was different. His demeanour had completely changed. Rhythmic, heavy footsteps drew closer as I strained to see through the gap. From what I could see, there was a scort and someone between them. My heart plummeted to my stomach. It felt as if the air had been kicked from my lungs in a single blow. Eurek! The group of men were escorting Eurek, each with a firm hand around his arms. What struck me was his compliance. No resistance, no panic. He just walked as if he was going for a morning stroll. Leaning back against the door, I clamped my hand over my mouth and suppressed a sob. My thoughts swirled. This can't be happening. What was happening? The stomping passed and I forced air into my lungs. My heart was throwing itself against my ribcage. I needed a plan, and I needed it now. Steadied myself, I willed my legs to move and straightened my posture. Quietly, I snuck through the door and headed down the corridors to the throne room. I cursed the sound of my heels on the cobblestone and tried not to speed up. Once I reached the double doors, I placed my head against the pine and waited, listening. A guard spoke. Your Majesty, we deem this man to be a danger to this kingdom and to your family. A pause. What? The deep voice continued. We believe him to be a spy from Karish, and therefore an enemy to us. I couldn't be sure I had heard him correctly. We were currently at war with Karish. That must have been why he panicked back to the woods when he realised who I was. If Yurik was a spy, then... I shook my head. He saved my life. He couldn't... He could have killed me, but he didn't. Why? This was also found on his person. Dread tied a knot in my chest. It was the pin I gave him. It must be. The ground was falling under me and it became difficult to breathe. My father's voice echoed firm. Eurek Clayton, do you have anything to say against these charges? He spoke calmly. I am a healer, your grace. That is all I came to Glenhall to be. How do you explain the possession of my daughter's seal? I prayed for Eurek to explain, to say something, anything, but he didn't reply. I cursed him for protecting me. The punishment for being a traitor was death, and more specifically, a painful one. The silence was deafening, and a weight crushed on my chest. Very well. Eurek Leiden, you are sentenced to death on order of the Glenhall Kingdom. Remove him. I didn't think. I threw myself at the doors, and the words tumbled out. Father, please, he didn't steal it. I gave it to him. Amelie, what? He helped me. He saved my life. I begged. Eurek's face was filled with horror. He knew exactly what I had just done. My father stood abruptly, rage contorting his features. 
Emily Glenhow, return to your chamber this instant, he roared. I stood firm and stared him down. I had done the one thing that would ensure my banishment, perhaps my death. I had spoken out against my father. Father, please, I cannot let you sentence an innocent man to die. A pleading tall roars in my voice, and I sounded pathetic, but I didn't care. He turned to the guards. He has clearly manipulated her. Remove them both. I want that boy dead by the hour. No! I screamed as the two hands grabbed my wrists and began to pull me away. I could see them dragging Eurick to the centre of the room and a knight ready his bow. I wrestled widely against the arms that held me. What have I done? Thorns twisted around my heart as his steerer gripped me and hot tears ran down my cheeks. This is all my fault. The knight notched his arrow. Time slowed as he raised the bow, pointing at Eurick's chest. I screamed at him to move but he didn't try. He knew there was nothing to be done. The knight pulled back the string into a perfect arc. I had nothing left to lose. With everything I had, I flung myself forward. An arrow buried itself into my gut, and I collapsed to the floor. I felt Eurek's arms catch me and move his hand quickly to cover the dripping wound, swearing under his breath. The world spun as I fought to keep my eyes open. All I could hear was his muffled voice. No, 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 please, no as he supported my head and put more pressure on the wound. I couldn't think about how much blood was pouring out. My entire body was on fire. His face hovered above mine, and I was almost surprised to see tears trickle down his cheeks. Somewhere my father called out, Boy, can you help her? Eurek nodded sharply. Save her and you're free. I had to live. I had to survive. I found my voice long enough to whisper, I'm sorry before my throat burned and I lost it again. I was vaguely aware of my body trembling and the sensation of Eurek's hands holding me began to fade. Again, I fought the urge to close my eyes, but it was a battle I was beginning to lose. Please. A faint cry rose in my throat as something was placed around the arrow in the wound. A final blinding pain burst through me and my will plunged into darkness. Author Bio Rebecca Cooper is a motivated young writer born in South Africa who moved at a young age to a small rural town in the east of England. Her creative passions have driven her in life, leading to exceptional success in her academic and creative studies, including a collection of self-taught skills such as drawing and musical talents. If she isn't in front of a piano, she can be found out in the countryside looking for new paths to explore. Editor's Thoughts The prompt for this competition, uh, which would have been June 21, uh, was titled Forbidden Friendship, uh, where all writers had to create a story regarding the following context. You're a young royal in disguise who befriends a villager with a scarred face. The next day he's arrested for stealing something you gave to him. Saving his life will mean risking everything. And in my humblest opinion, I picked Rebecca's story out as my winner because I was drawn in from the start. The story has a very comfortable and readable pace with an equal mix of dialogue and description. This story takes you on a complete journey and for a short story, this is the key. I can also relate to the characters. They are well-rounded and very relatable. 
All in all, this is a very well thought out story with a twist on the ending and I must say a very enjoyable read. It's not all about my thoughts though. Uh, we are looking for thoughts from our listeners uh, about the story and the podcast in general. So with regards to the story, did you like the story? What did you like about the story? What didn't you like about the story? Uh, anything you'd like to see in our podcast or anything that you want us to remove? Uh, you can leave your comment via Twitter, which is at ArenaFantasyMA1. We are also on Instagram, Arena Fantasy Magazine, and also Facebook, Arena Fantasy Magazine. And never know, we could read your comment out on the next episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to AFM Storytime. I really appreciate you giving me your time and listening to me telling stories which I like. If you do want to submit a story, email submissions at arenafantasymagazine.net and I will speak to you soon. Thank you.